this week on the Sport Blokes. It's Christmas in July. Who's been naughty and who has been nice? We want presents. It's 6.39 on Tuesday the 1st of August and yes, it's been a big 24-ish hours in the Australian sport landscape the last little while with the Matildas huge win over Canada, the wrapping of the Ashes and of course the retirement of Buddy Franklin after 19 seasons, 354 games and of course 1,066 goals placing him fourth on the all-time goal scoring list but given that it's the 1st of August it can mean only one thing. Time for our mid-year half-baked excuse to take the piss out of professional athletes and those surrounding them because they earn shitloads of money and have more exciting lives than ours. Speak for yourself. <laughs> and and I said half-baked, but I think it's about quarter-baked this year, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think we forgot to turn the oven on before um, before we preheated. But just, yeah, it's, look, it's one of these things. We have a little bit of fun with it from time to time and, yeah, we hope people enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, look, it's just a yeah, bit, of a, bit of a spoof. Yeah, a bit of chance for some shits and giggles uh, looking at some stories in the world of sport. And obviously we do them on Christmas as well, but unfortunately we couldn't do it last year because you were unwell, to say the least. You were hospital bound. So it's actually been a full year since we did this. And our last Christmas in July episode is actually one of my favourite episodes. It was episode 111. It's not time sensitive, but it's worth checking out if you haven't already. Uh, but, you know, you might remember the uh, Simone Biles story or the Piddler on the Roof or there was a whole bunch of frivolity. <laughs> oh, absolute Brent. Brendan frivolity. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> While we're talking about retired full forwards. Yes, yes. No, very apt. Very apt indeed. So, yeah, I'll try and post the links in the description of our previous Christmas episodes. I have created a Spotify playlist, all your Christmases, along with the existing ones that have our interviews, redraft episodes and choke specials. So check that out. I'll try and remember to put it in the description. Let's get cracking, shall we, Stewie? And as we always do, we've got to start with our naughty list. And there's been some naughty people, haven't there? There really have. There's a few people on here. And, and quite honestly, if we'd had the time, I dare say this list could be at least twice as long. Oh, <laughs> this could be a four-hour episode if we wanted it to. Actually, a lot of these, <laughs> we could have been mining stuff from the last 12 months. And I did have a list of things from the last 12 months. But a lot of this is quite recent. But uh, it's all very interesting. Yeah, the Christmas in July could easily take us to the Christmas in December. Well, do you know what's funny as well? In a previous episode, you made a joke about Christmas in July in August, which is actually August, what we ended yeah. up doing. So <laughs> <laughs> we got there uh, in the end. Well, but, uh, I mean, yeah. to be fair, to be fair, it would have been yesterday had the cricket not gone five days. That's right. And the Matildas and yeah, we made the call in the end that it would have been silly, although there was that rain and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, in the end, happy we're doing it now. And so funnily enough, the very first naughty person is indeed a cricketer. So it's Harman Preet Kaur. I just, I've not seen a hissy fit like this. Certainly outside of like under 10s, it's absolutely ridiculous. She's had the hissy fit to end all hissy fits after being given out. So the scoreboard will say Court Fahima Katum, bold Nahida Akta 14. But it was the histrionics that happened afterwards. So as a result, Bangladesh and India shared their one-day international trophy after the deciding third match of the series ended in a tie in Mirpur. So as we know, ties are bloody, bloody rare. But after she was given out caught behind, now there was some kind of discussion as to whether it was LBW or caught. Harmanpreet Kaur proceeded to just smash down all the stumps with her bat and then as she was walking off, continued to remonstrate with the umpire, remonstrated, like it just went on and on and on. Then after the game, she said, 
Even apart from the cricket, the kind of umpiring that was happening, we were very surprised. The next time when we come to Bangladesh, we will make sure we have to deal with this type of umpiring and prepare ourselves accordingly. In between, we leaked a few runs, but when we were batting, we controlled the game very well. But as I mentioned earlier, some pathetic umpiring was done, and we are really disappointed about the decisions given by the umpires. Now, the craziest thing to me, the smashing down of the stumps was bad enough. Then she walked off the ground really slowly and gave the umpire, <laughs> if looks could kill eyes. And then the, the penalty is what astounds me the most. And maybe it shouldn't, given she plays under the BCCI. But she was only docked 50% of her match fee for the on-field stuff. And then only another 25% for the comments afterwards. So not only did she escape without a ban, she even got some of her match payment. Unbelievable. Yeah, look, it's one of these ones where we look at it and we say, had this person been Australian, English, South African, basically anywhere outside of Indian, and certainly not trying to cause any sort of race row here, but as we know, the BCCI does certainly run the cricket world. It just feels like it would have been a little bit harsher and might have been you know, a match ban. Obviously, 100% of the match fee would have gone as well. It doesn't feel like the punishment fits the crime. Now I have an update, Stewie. I've just looked again because I it just didn't feel quite right. And sure enough, the ICC has found the Indian skipper guilty of a number of offences and banned her from the next two international matches, which is quite possibly keep her out of the quarterfinals and semifinals of the Asian Games. Right. So that's her present then. Well, I was going to say maybe the best of Piers Morgan because he sure knows about the spirit of cricket. I was actually going to say a lifetime supply of Joel Wilson. Oh, I'm glad I can laugh. That man. Yeah, you uh, you think that decision was bad? <laughs> oh, oh, honestly. Like that bloke, honestly, I reckon he stands behind the stumps in standby mode with his dark glasses on. No one can see his eyes. He's probably half asleep in standby mode. He guesses every time there's an appeal, and most of the time he gets it wrong. He makes Alim Dar look first rate, doesn't he? Oh, mate. I don't know. They're both pretty shocking over the years. But I believe Alim Dar was the uh, match referee as well of the most recent test, I think. Yes. Well, we'll see if we get time today. We'll have a quick chat about that one as well. There's a, <laughs> a fair bit to talk about in that one. But yes, Harmon Precourt, very, very naughty girl. Naughty girl. What do you reckon? Do you reckon two was fair in the end? Probably. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm probably okay with that too, I think. But she'll enjoy her other presence of Piers Morgan and uh, Joel Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Who we got next, Shui? So moving on, I guess the logical next person to speak about would be the aforementioned Piers Morgan. So obviously the ashes are now over and anyone who hasn't been under a rock will have heard all sorts of hypocrisy and bullshit coming from the other side of the world. <laughs> and a lot of it is from the mouth or the Twitter account or the X account or whatever the fuck you want to call it Indeed. of one Piers Morgan. So I guess the quote that we'll zero in on, and look, there's a lot of stuff out there, and, and I saw that the word flog was uh, trending on Twitter after the end of the match. <laughs> we all know that Murph Hughes, of course, was calling him a flog and going backwards and forwards. But the quote that we'll use, and we may have used it before, is just before day four of the fourth test, when Australia could have retained the Ashes, it will be the greatest travesty in the history of Ashes cricket if the trampled, battered, beleaguered, basball, desperate, white flag-flying Aussies now avoid the inevitable defeat and retain the urn because of the bloody rain. He's a yeah, hypocrite, look, though, as we've proven in our last episode. Oh, we have. And the thing is, we know that pretty much everything that's come up in this entire Ashes series 
is something that England or someone associated with the English team, whether it be you know Brendan McCullum or, or other, have done in their career at some stage. So we know it's all ridiculous. But unfortunately, this is the thing, Piers. You live in England. You've lived in England for long enough to know about the weather as well. We know that weather comes into every single series, whether it's summer, winter, or other. So I don't understand why you're going to sit there and get all pissed off about the fact that rain is a thing. It happened in 2013, which we spoke about. It's happened in 2023. It's going to keep happening moving forward. So I'm sorry, but tough shit. Well, forget every series. It almost impacts every match, let alone series. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I want a couple of presents here. I don't know what you thought of for this one. Uh, Oh, look, I was going to possibly see if I could line him up with a nice dinner at Salt Bay's restaurant. (laughs) Nice. Yep. I like it. I like it. What have you got? Well, it's not a new ball. That's for sure. How about, (laughs) how about, so he's got a short memory. He's forgot when he was doing rain dances in 2013. So how about some fish oil supplement? That's meant to aid your memory or, or perhaps as well as, a copy of the memory game, but the tiles are all pictures of horrible English Ashes moments. So I don't know, maybe the Gatting Ball and uh, the uh, Steve Harmison bouncer. Harmison, it's yeah. got to be Harmison. Yeah. Yeah. So a memory game of embarrassing English moments, I think, would be fantastic. That's a five hundred card set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Love everything about it. <laughs> Who we got next, Chewy? Well, look, just a real quick hitter on this one. There's quite a few things, as we've said, but a real quick hitter. According to Chris Rowbottom, who is at Chris Roww on Twitter, or as we've said before, whatever the hell it's called nowadays, there's a match in Tasmania's Oatlands District Football Association, which was abandoned at three-quarter time after excessive abuse from an umpire towards a player. That's just the, that's such a funny story. I wish I had more information about this one. It's classic, isn't it? So often... Players are sent off, even though there's no send-off rule in footy. But, you know, obviously in community footy, it's a little bit different. Obviously, they're banned or something will happen. But I don't think I've ever heard of a situation where an umpire was excessively abusing a player. And I wonder what it was about. The whole thing is just so so intriguing. Yeah, look, unfortunately, there's not a whole heap of information about what happened. But I think we know what happens in some of these games, especially the association leagues or the bush leagues or whatever you want to call them. Quite often those players are a little bit rough, a little bit uh, bit dirty at times. They'll have a word. It's not quite the same sort of standard as the AFL or the VFL. So maybe the officials just had a really bad day, had enough, turned around and basically told one of the other players to get fucked. Who knows? <laughs> what do we give him though, Stewie? I struggled with this one. Uh, well, I, I guess he can umpire at the AFL level. Oh, I like it. I was thinking of giving him a player jersey because he seems to be better at being a player than an umpire if he's so good at yeah. abuse. But I like that. Probably That's quite good. Quite fitting, I would say. Although it's not so fitting because it's a triple uh, XL and he's only a small man. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Who we got next? Well, we have the Dutch women's team and their coach, more importantly, at the FIFA World Cup here in Australia, which is happening right now. Pretty dodgy scenes from them. Yes, it's not unusual for soccer to have some shenanigans, which is one of the reasons why it does frustrate me. I'm not going to lie. But we are giving the Dutch women and their coach, well, maybe their coach more than than anyone, a present for being naughty. They're on the naughty list. 
Now, this is an interesting one. This is between the Dutch women and the Portuguese women. So with a break in play in the 70th minute between the two teams, midfielder Daniel van der Donk fell down and appeared to get up or seemed okay. But there was vision of her coach, Jonka, telling her to sit down, even though she had returned to her feet. And again, this is the stuff about soccer that does. It's one of the reasons why I'm not a massive fan, a bit of the kind of faux injury the writhing in pain that disappears magically anyway they did gain an advantage so that kind of fake injury time i guess allowed the dutch team to set up and the coach to make some key decisions and i guess that tactical timeout, for lack of a better phrase worked in their favor because stephanie van der Grupt would end up scoring the only goal when the dutch won one nil over the portuguese it kind of brings me back a little bit to the days of Jason Kidd having the drink knocked out of his hand. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. That's one, a, one of those. I haven't thought about that one for a while. So you can tell that I'm clearly not a big soccer fan and we haven't watched much because I kind of uh, didn't explain that very well at all. So you can put me on the naughty list. Actually, we are on the naughty list. I'll mention that at the end. But what are we going to give him? Well... My idea was giving him a large dildo just to remind him of how much of a dick he is. Yeah, okay. Okay. So uh, I'm a bit, I haven't slept very much because of the ashes. I'm a little well, bit cranky. Know. I've got the cranky pants on. Oh, that's no, I got nothing. That's fantastic. That's, that's, yep. Yeah. Easy. Now, I guess this is a good opportunity for me to mention that my partner and I went to the Jamaica and Panama game here in Perth. There was about 16,000 people there. The Jamaica won one nil. We were right near the uh, band with the drums and all the carry on there. So the atmosphere was fantastic. It was a brilliant, uh, i got to say, it's my most favourite live soccer experience. Not going to lie. Is it your only live soccer experience? No, I've been to a few Glory games and I went to... Uh, of course. Uh, who was it? Fulham and I think, I want to say Wolverhampton in 2019 okay. with my mate when he when he won that Ashes uh, competition. So, well, the World Cup competition that led to Ashes tickets. So, yeah, so I've been to a few. Yeah. No, it was great fun, though, and good attacking game. And, yeah, really enjoyed it. Well, there you go. And Jamaica in a decent spot to get through, funnily enough, with them one point clear of Brazil in second place in their group. So there could be some very, very interesting teams making it through. And we, we saw that Canada didn't make it at the expense of Nigeria and Australia. So, yeah, it could be some other little, yeah, little surprises going into the knockout stage. Yes, indeed. And they might appear later as well. Yeah, in this episode. Ooh. Who we got next? Uh, we have Hungarian tennis player Amarissa Toth. Now, this is a really interesting one. She's caused a, an absolute mental breakdown for Zhang Shui at the TA Hungarian Grand Prix in Budapest. This is one of these things that you see on a clay court where a ball goes fairly close to the line and the players actually are able to go across and check the mark just to kind of see if maybe it's clipped. And what's basically happened is that a ball looks to have potentially gone in, but it's been called out. And Shui was sort of going, well, hang on a second. That ball looks like it's in. Umpires were kind of umming and eyeing, And she said, look, can we get a supervisor down here? In the meantime, though, Toth's actually gone up. And Shui's sort of yelling at her, leave it, leave it. What are you doing to the mark? And she sort of said, why would you do that? As she's basically rubbing the mark out, making it impossible to tell. And basically Toth just turned around to her and said, because you're making problems, that's why. And not surprisingly, it's caused a pretty decent rift. And Shui kind of broke down and retired at that point down 6-5. In the first set too. Because you're making problems, that's why. That's an interesting one, isn't it? It's not uncommon for spots to be checked on a clay court. And who are the problems for? <laughs> I uh, dare say Toth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So I've got some quotes here from some Aussies who who witnessed it. So Ellen Perez, who's one of the Aussie double players, well, that's a quick way to lose respect from your peers. I'm actually shook by the level of disrespect from this girl. If I see this girl tomorrow, I will tell her how disgusted I am. Alia Tomljanovic, I can never say that name, absolutely disgusting behaviour. Shway is a better person than a lot of us for shaking the ref and that girl's hand. But then again, it's Shway we're talking about. Of course she did. Yeah, there's not much more you can say to that. Funnily enough, I know you mentioned Piers. There's actually a tennis player in the doubles with the surname Piers. And every time you say that, I kind of think of him. Well, yeah, we, he's living rent-free in our heads, isn't he, a little bit? He is. <laughs> but what are, we giving, what are we giving Toth, Shui, for her naughtiness? Uh, we're going to give her a giant ball. A giant oh. ball of karma, that is. Oh, I see. A 6-3-6-1 drubbing in the next round. That's what she copped. <laughs> that, that is what she deserved. Yes, yes, it was. Well, I had a different present, actually. I, I did a bit of a look online, and I found some 3M Perfected Cleaner Clay. Oh, wow. So rather than her cleaning the clay, it's clay that cleans other things. Just to, you know, spin it around a little bit. Well, maybe you could use it to dry the tears of Zhang Shui. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah, no, not a great look. And apparently she's very loved on the circuit. So, yeah, that's that's uh, poor form from Toth. Absolutely. What a tother. Who we got next? Come on, Nate. You can't just glance over that. Oh. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> Who we got next? Well, it's got to be the Melbourne Storm, doesn't it? Oh, Celebrating yes. their, their 2007 and 2009 premierships in inverted commas in a recent 25-year montage for the club. Well, that's the key of it, isn't it? So they're actually celebrating all their premierships that they've won, inverted commas, 99, 07, 09, 12, 17, and 20. So only two of them only, inverted commas, Two of them are marred in controversy. That's 07 and 09. It does help when you have two sets of books. <laughs> so <laughs> after initially denying the claims, the club eventually admitted that it was running two sets of books. The NRL found that they had spent over $1.7 million more than the salary cap allowance during that five-year period, which certainly helps win a couple of premierships. But what makes this even more egregious is that they did it on the night of their clash against the Parramatta Eels, the Eels themselves, who are on the wrong end of that 2009 grand final. Gee whiz. It's it's pretty poor form, isn't it? And look, it's one of these things, I guess, if you're kind of celebrating this internally, then maybe it's okay. But yeah, putting it out there for everyone, it's it's pretty poor form, really. And their chief executive, Justin Rodsky, has defended the decision and they're doubling down on it, basically. So he said, it was important to acknowledge what those players from those two teams were able to achieve in those seasons. We understand that retrospectively, the premierships were taken away from our club, but given we were celebrating 25 years as a club, we felt it appropriate those, and he's talking about the players and teams, obviously, were properly acknowledged. Hmm. Don't yeah. know about that. Again, though, that's something that, you celebrate internally, you don't necessarily make a big song and dance about it because we know there is a very large asterisk next to it and it's not the sort of asterisk that we talk about where it's just like an abnormality or something slightly unusual. It's like a complete and utter fuck up. It is a breach. It is a rule break. That's right. And look, you can celebrate the players. They could have just left those two premierships off and they would have still been celebrating 25 years and celebrating those players. So that's a bit dicey for me and I've got a present accordingly. What, what have you got? Uh, so, you know, those little 
sort of $5 trophies that you might get for winning a social league competition. Oh, yeah. We're going to get one of those. And it's going to take me back to a story of ours, which I I have to tell our listeners about. And it involves Kevin's trophy. (laughs) Yes. So Nathan and I played basketball together from a very early age. We played a number of different competitions. And there was one year in particular we played in Hammersley at a competition there. And for some reason, after we won the championship in, I can't even remember, under 14s or something like that, we were all handed one of these little social league trophies. But one of the guys on our team, a guy named Kevin, received a trophy of a basically a lady playing netball in a skirt. Yes. <laughs> and so the, the legend of Kevin's trophy lives on. Well, the other thing was, though, the reason we gave it to Kevin is because he was the only one who couldn't turn up to receive it. So it was the bloke that was missing out that got the women's trophy. There you go. So, yes, <laughs> the you, other can have irony, a, you can have a couple of those. The other irony, of course, is behind Alex Loughton, who's appeared on our show a number of times, he was probably the second best player on the team. <laughs> oh, not probably. Not not even close. He, those two were head and shoulders above the rest. Um, unbelievable players. Oh, they sure were. What have you got for him, Nath? Well, I've got something else. So I've been thinking, okay, who are people that like to celebrate success when it's been achieved in dubious circumstances? So I Tom looked Brady. At, well, I looked at Lance Armstrong's books. Uh, he's written a few. So there's one called It's Not About the Bike in 2000. There's another one called Every Second Counts in 2003. But the book I am going to give Justin Rodsky and the Melbourne Storm is the 2004 book by Lance Armstrong, Images of a Champion. Yes, even though several of his Tour de France titles were stripped from the books due to his cheating, he still has all of the jerseys up in his room. He still tweets about it. He's very tone deaf. So it just seems appropriate that they would receive this book. I assume those books are, what were they called again, sorry? There's one called It's Not About a Bike. It's Not About a Bike, parentheses, It's About the Drugs. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Every Second Counts. Every second pill counts, yep. Uh, every second of that IV drip counts, yeah. Yep. Yes, exactly. And, and, and images of a champion. Well, yeah, no, there's not, there's no real drug-related reference I can no, make here. But, uh, no, but that's the one I wanted to give to them because they had images of their victories and that sort of thing. And he had he had images of his uh, Tour de France victories as well. So that's what I went very, with Very, very nice. Now, we're not there yet with Nice Chewy. Who else has been naughty? So next on the list is the Green Bay Packers. Now, their social media team wished outside linebacker Jonathan Garvin a happy birthday on Twitter, saying, smile, it's your birthday. And then two hours later, they cut him. Yeah, the the thing that I find this the most funny is the fact that they've written smile as well. Like, it's one thing to say happy birthday. (laughs) Oh, dear. Professional sport can be tough. You'd hope that the uh, social media team might get a bit more of a uh, update on the personnel moves maybe ahead of time next time. Yeah, I mean, surely they could have waited 24 hours. You know, it's his birthday, for God's sake. Yeah, no kidding. But what do we give them? Well, they've got 11 draft picks this year. Well, sorry, next year now, obviously for 2024. I would say perhaps their present will be that all of those draft picks are busts. Oh, wow. That would be, uh, that's quite a penalty. Yeah, that's mm. that's big. Okay. Yeah, well, they're trying to do what OKC are doing. Apparently, their owner loves draft picks, or their general manager, I should say, loves draft picks. He's stockpiling them, certainly in the, the same way that Sam Presti is. So, yeah, hopefully he doesn't have quite the same success as OKC. Well, I guess the Aaron Rodgers trade kickstarted that a little bit too. So it's canny decision-making. It makes sense. Bad karma would be injuries to all of their outside linebackers. 
That would be really oh, bad, Carla. That would be even better. I like that. But then they could sign him back. But the present I got was a printout of scienceofpeople.com, the article, Birthday Depression, Why Birthdays Are So Hard. Oh, geez, that's dark. <laughs> I, sh- I should have actually got something about social media. That's what I should have looked at because the gift isn't for Garvin. It's for the Green Bay Packers. I didn't think that True. through very well, did I? No. Like that's I said, that's okay. quarter baked. Now, speaking of quarter baked, the next person on this list is one Britney Spears. Oh, that is segue of the year. I love it. Yes, indeed. What's what Britney, has Britney been up to? Yeah, what has she been up to? So as far as I understand this, and you'll probably have a little bit more detail on this, she was involved in the touching of Victor Wembanyama's security guard. Is that right? Well, she touched Victor's back, I believe. So basically, yeah. So basically what happened, and I've seen the video a couple of times, she wanted an autograph or something. She was being a fan. I think it was, I don't know. I think it was in Vegas. I think it was at Summer League. And she's run up to him and like tapped him on the back. And in one motion, instinctively, Victor's security guards kind of tried to swipe her hand out of the way. But the problem is because she's so short and he's quite tall, he kind of smacked her in the face. So it, it wasn't a great look, and it's not a very kind of nice situation. But as someone who's a star, she should know that you don't just tap someone on the back when they've got a security entourage around them. I would have thought she should have known better than anyone. Yeah, there were a couple of things. I actually caught a, a very brief glimpse of the transcript of that, actually. And uh, from what I understand, the security guard was heard to exclaim, oops, I did it again, <laughs> to which to which Brittany responded, hit me, baby, one more time. That was oh. terrible. I'm so, I'm so sorry. It had to be done. No, I was going to say, we couldn't possibly give her a signed copy of Hit Me Baby One More Time, could be, signed by a Victor security guard. Well, maybe. <laughs> probably a perfect segue. This is crazy. Like, I know it's instinctive, but this is a woman who has sold over 100 million records. She's not a nobody. So surely some, I don't know, maybe these security guards are in their 20s and oh, weren't around for any... No, yeah, you gotta, no, yeah, you got to see the footage. It's 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 all very it's all very knee-jerk. It's all very... I mean, she just looks like a short blonde lady. I don't think he even would have seen her face, to be honest. I think it was... Yeah, I think he can be forgiven. And no charges were filed. But she did shout out in a British accent, apparently. That's America for you. Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, dear, so there you go. Dear me. Funnily enough, she does have a song called Criminal as well. So maybe the uh, maybe, maybe that's the one we can give to the security guard. Yeah, that or Toxic. Yeah. Although, funnily enough, as I quickly search for Britney Spears on here, there's a very like ooh, sort of question here. I noticed the question, what is Britney's biggest hit? I wonder if it's from the security guard. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, nope. quick move on. Move on. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Domestic violence is not funny, for the record. No, well, that's um, not actually domestic violence, but yes. No, no, it's not. It is not funny. Violence in, in general. Okay, no, anyway. Yeah, and, and again, he's been cleared. They've reviewed the footage. It's, yeah, it, it is above board. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gone there. We try and keep yeah. it, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was ruled a flagrant one. So we're just kind of, <laughs> you know, couple, two shots in the ball, move on. Something like that, yeah, something like that. Now, the last of our naughties goes to the cheeky American NBC broadcasting team, from the World Swimming Championships in Fukuoka, or as they've kind of done to the rest of the world, fuck us over. <laughs> so I was going to say, fuck you, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so NBC has bucked the medal tally conventions at the World Championships by putting themselves at the top of the table. Now, yes, they did have 25 total medals to Australia's 16. However, Australia had 10 goals to USA's three, 
which would in any other circumstance have Australia top of the table. Now we're going to race through this one, Shui. What are we going to give them as their present? Well, I'm going to give you an update first of all, because it did actually end up as 13-7, but still absolutely dominated that. Uh, oh, look, yeah, sorry. my Yeah, I've got my information from prior to the last day. You're right, 13-7. That's was, all right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Australia still had more. This is just, it's wrong. It's very, very cheeky. And quite frankly, they should have gone to Specsavers. So I think we should give them a subscription to Specsavers for a year and a whole bunch of glasses. Well, that's better than what I had. I had a Wikipedia printout of hierarchy of precious substances. That That's probably slightly better, actually. <laughs> Maybe they can use their spec savers while they read hierarchy of precious substances. That'll That'll certainly work. Now, usually before we do these things, we kind of share what we have with each other. So we, we kind of know what's going on. But Nath, you've intentionally left the naughty and nice away from me. So I, I don't know what's coming next. I have. And although it means that you won't have a lot of time to think about the present, I did want authentic reactions on this one because it's a doozy. It's pretty funny. Hopefully you haven't heard about it. Now, this actually comes from a few weeks ago during the contest between the Richmond Tigers and the Sydney Swans at the G on a Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago during what was a pretty fiercely tight contest, which the Tigers ended up winning. Now, this was during the Triple M call. I don't know if you've heard about this one. Brian Taylor. So for whatever reason, he's talking about his cats during the game. And he said, one's called Tiger, strangely enough. Of course, Richmond were playing. And the other, oh, I don't really name it because, well, it's incontinent. And so the other blokes in the commentary box kept pressing him. And he, like, they're trying to work out what the name of this second cat was. Again, it was a good close game. So I don't know why they had to rely on this. But anyway, he said, I think Tanya's given it a name. It was a feral. I'm not sure. I think it's called, uh, oh, no. Oh, actually, I don't know. It's been with us for about 10 years, <laughs> he said, before returning to call the game. But this, this is what has placed him on both the naughty and nice list, Chewy, because... Well, he's naughty for what he did, but it's nice because it's piss funny. And I wish I heard it. And I might try and find the audio if I can. But basically, because he couldn't think of the other cat's name, he decided to call his wife live on air. So right after Luke Darcy finished commentating on a goal from Isaac Heaney, BT gets on the phone and puts his phone on loudspeaker. And he's like, Tan, what's the name of our other cat? <laughs> and then on the broadcast... He's like, uh, oh, Tinkerbell. Oh, Tinkerbell. Thank you, Dale. Tinkerbell, it's called. Tiger and Tinkerbell. Allowing the entire commentary booth to obviously erupt in laughter. So he's been both naughty and nice. I thought that was just a classic story. And I have a doozy of a present. I don't know if you can think of anything off the top of your head. Well, I mean, first things first, to quote the great man, fuck! <laughs> that, is, that is just... Just classic BT, honestly. It is, isn't it? The guy it is. marches to the beat of his own drum. He's a little bit unusual, but he's always entertaining. He sure is. So there's a particular movie by a very famous director. I thought we should maybe get him because BT phone home. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Peter Pan, but yes. <laughs> yeah, Peter, there you go. Peter Pan. I don't know if but you no. can think of anything else. No, well, I mean, I mean, the obvious choice is a bloody uh, name tag for the cat, but I'm sure <laughs> they've I'm had sure it for BT ten years. Read. How can you have a cat for ten years and not know its name? He probably can't read anyway, so I don't know if it would matter. Oh, oh dear, there you go. So yeah, we'll give him a copy of ET. Love that. 
So, Nate, there's a few people on the nice list. And, look, we've got to start by obviously talking about the amazing guests that we've had in the last 12 months. Yes, that's right. So normally we thank and give presents, inverted commas, to the guests that have been with us since our last Christmas episode. Now, it has been 12 months, so there's been a few. First, in order of appearance, the Throwback Hoops boys, Woody and Robbie, on episode 122. Woody then also appeared with us on 123 and 142, talking a bit of cricket as well. We had the Goat Mentator, NBA Bo, Bo Estes, on episode 128. He was also on episode 132 with a bit of Alex Loughton as well. Episode 137 was our NBL Podcast Live. Joe and Andrew from the NBL Pocket Podcast, CEO of the Perth Bandits, Nick Tan, and of course, Adam Westerhout from Full Court Fitness. And of course, a very special thank you to Solomon Detch, the player agent who gave us some interesting insights. Hmm. Oh, that was a great day. The only thing that soured it basically was the result. Yes, it's true. Hopefully we might be able to do another one of them. Backlot as well. Backlot Perth did give us a bit of a discount in order to make it work financially. So a big thank you to them as well. The ginger assassin, Alex Roberts. He'll be in Olu very soon this month for the Air Guitar World Championships. He's appeared on several episodes, but more recently episode 143 and 144. We had Steve McCracken from the Oslo Crows on episode 150. Nice to have him on a milestone episode. Then we had our run of NBL commentators and experts, 152, Casey Frank, 153, Liam Santamaria, and then some Alex Loughton on episode 154 and 155. Now, this is where we're a bit naughty because we keep teasing that draft episode. (laughs) And it's a bit like, what was it, Jimmy Kimmel, where he'd keep bumping Matt Damon every week as his guest. We keep kind of picking this draft episode down the road weeks and weeks. It's coming, it's coming. (laughs) So we're naughty. It's going to happen before next year's draft. We can promise that. (laughs) Well, it'll happen before the season. We're kind of at a point now where we're in that kind of off-season lull. So I guess the urgency post-draft isn't maybe as big. But we wanted to be in person together too. Now, you're off to Brisbane for a couple of weeks. So who knows how we'll do that. We may do that remotely in the end. But do keep an eye out for that one and we will. We will release it eventually, and it's definitely worth listening to because those experts provided some really great insights. So thank you to all of our guests and collaborators over another big 12 months. Amen. Now, what can we give them other than love? That's probably all we can give them. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, we kind of blew the budget on all the naughty presents. But you're lucky, Woody. We've got a present for your 40th, and we look forward to seeing you next month. Now, also, Lindsay, my partner who does some of the voiceover work for us, the female voice you hear, and Dan, who does the music and the graphics for us. But anyway, also, of course, we want to thank you, the listener, whether you're a regular listener, whether you're a sometimes listener, maybe you're listening to us for the first time. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much also for those who like and subscribe and those who occasionally get in contact too. I should probably check our email, sportblokes.gmail.com. I don't think I've looked at it for about a month. Oh, dear. Now, we've got a couple of other nices in the world of sports, Shuey, don't we? Well, I guess we'll start off in the world of cricket, Elise Perry. The first female and the first Australian as well to reach 6,000-plus runs and 300-plus wickets in international cricket. An amazing, amazing warrior over many, many years. Oh, just one of the absolute greats. Of course, she played for the Matildas as well once upon a time. So another one of those dual sports people. She's just an absolute legend. She'll probably have a statue one day. A little bit greedy, though. I mean, you and I were never particularly amazing at any sport, and she gets to be awesome at two. Well, yes, it's true. It's true. Now, I was thinking what we could give her is maybe this little kitten and she can call it Elise Perry. Yes, that would be perfect. Abs, perfect. Oh, perfect. Oh, it would be perfect. Uh, Incidentally, uh, now I I put Sam Purr on partly because of the FIFA World Cup. Now, you did check me on that and said it should have been Elise Perry. And I did think about that. I was going backwards and forwards. And you're right, the cricket was on. So I probably should have gone with Elise Perry. But because the Women's World Cup's on, I went with Sam Purr. So my apologies. But I thought of another one. Yeah. 
Ariane Gitmouse. <laughs> yes. As long as you say it with that level of like, oh, get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is great. The good news is as well, I've just Googled is Elise Perry allergic to cats and no real word on it. So <laughs> so she's better off than Lindsay then. Yeah, fair enough. As far yes. as that's concerned. Because yes, otherwise we would keep this bundle of joy because she's very lovely. If anyone's in Perth and wants a kitten, sportblokes at gmi.com or sportblokes on Twitter, whatever it's called, at sportblokes. You've got to run off to volleyball in about seven minutes, Stewie. We've got a couple of other nices. Yeah, look, the Nigerian women's soccer team, I think we were just talking about women's soccer, so I think it's a really great segue into this. Uh, they beat Australia 3-2 in the qualifying and did manage to get through, as I mentioned earlier. But their coach, Randy Waldrum, hasn't been paid for over a year and their players are still owed bonuses from two years ago. All of this, and they're still making the knockout round of a Women's World Cup. Amazing effort. Oh, it's just sensational. And I don't want to give them a present because making it through to the next round is present enough. So I'm going to give Ben Simmons a present of the Nigerian women's soccer team's matches so that he understands how important it is to play for your country. That would be very nice. I will say this, though. The prize money for the Women's World Cup, it was only $30 US million about four years ago, up to $110 million this year. So the Nigerians, just by making the round of 16, their players will all get at least 90000 Hopefully they can make it to the semifinals where they would play Australia all going well and they'll get paid what they deserve. Fantastic. Well, that's good. And and I guess an honourable mention, nice to all the people that have supported the uh, tournament and showing up to all the games, even if the Aussies or the New Zealanders aren't playing. I think it's been a fantastic effort from crowds all around our two great countries. It really has been. Who else we got, Shui? A couple more? Yeah, well, look, we spoke about the swimming before. Australia's Kaylee McKeown bounced back from a very brutal disqualification, winning the 100-metre backstroke at the World Swimming Championships. Yes, that's right. So she's completed the Grand Slam of swimming by winning the 100-metre backstroke at the World Long and Short Course Championships, the Olympic Games and the Commonwealth Games. Now, that's a bit kind of dicey because obviously only some countries can compete in the Commonwealth Games. Only some people can achieve that. But nonetheless, she has. She's also the first swimmer to hold all of these titles simultaneously and is the world record holder in both the 100 and 200 metre backstroke. Wow. I think the gold medals might be enough. We don't need to give her a present. Well, look, if we're going to maybe a set of turntables because she's pretty amazing with records. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. And then finally, now this one's from the world of competitive climbing, isn't it, Stewie? Yeah, look, an incredible effort from a Norwegian woman and her Nepali guide. They've set a record on Thursday for the fastest summit of all 14 of the world's 8,000-metre mountains. Ridiculous. And it just gets more ridiculous when you understand what happened. So Kristen Harilla from Norway and Lama, her tension Sherpa, completed the feat in three months and one day after summiting Pakistan's K2, which was the last one on the list. And it meant that they'd surpassed Nepal-born British adventurer Nirmal Persia, who had a record of six months and six days set in 2019. So they smashed the record. But how's this? What makes it even more impressive is that Harila had to summit 12 of the mountains twice, including K2 after delays in securing visas from China to climb one of them, which is wholly in Tibet. And Cho Oyu normally climbed from the Chinese side. And last year... Despite the fact that she's incredible and clearly is just a legend at it, she couldn't secure any sponsorship. So she actually sold her own apartment in order to fund her quest and to fulfill the dream. So hats off to the both of them. Incredible effort to smash the world record by nearly three months. Yeah, I mean, just the thought of even getting to Everest Base Camp is so far beyond me right now. In fact, realistically, the thought of walking down to the corner shop is... uh... (laughs) 
it's a little bit dicey. I would actually probably almost need oxygen for that right now. But <laughs> look, ridiculous effort. The only present I can think of is a trip to the Bahamas because after all of that, it's time to put the feet up and relax a little bit. I agree. I think maybe she should be somewhere flat for a while. She's done a lot of climbing. Maybe because she can just relax on a uh, yeah by a pool or by the beach or something. Yep. Well, Stewie, you've got to run off to volleyball. You've been very nice. Maybe a little naughty at times. Thank you very much once again. Happy Christmas in July in August. That's Christmas to you. <laughs> I want presents. Until next time. Oh, I'm Knife. And I'm Stu. <laughs>